Hi, and welcome to Rebel Revolution. I'm Nikki Hafner. And I'm Allison Gomez. And we're here with Barton Frias. Barton, say hello. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> doing good. <laughs> uh, Rebel Revolution is here to acknowledge and challenge privilege and bias in our lives and in society as a whole. So, um... Varden, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself so we can get started on that foot. All right. Uh, so I, um, I'm an indie author of dark fiction. Um, I released a book a couple of years ago. It's 2019 now. It's called The Caldera's Vice, and it's a decapunk, kind of diesel punk, sort of sci-fi paranormal uh, mystery. Um, and I'm working on the sequel for that, which is called English Luster, and it should be out this summer, but uh, no promises there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last time we yeah. spoke to Barton, he was hoping to have it out by January, but goodness, stuff always gets in the way, don't it? Yeah, stuff keeps on happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, isn't that always the way? Life just keeps happening. Um we have a lot to talk about. Uh, before we go anywhere else, um, do you want to highlight your identity a little bit? Uh, what you identify as for the people? Um, so I am, like technically speaking, um, I am a non-binary butch. Um, but I also, for more like, quote unquote, to make things easier for people, I like to present as a trans man. I just find that like maneuvering things and just being like, I go by he, him pronouns but yeah, that's that's basically what my gender identity is. What about your race identity? Any other identities that may intersect with that that you want to highlight? Oh, I did not think about that. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> um, so I am Michoacan, Mexican and Scottish Hungarian Jew. Uh, that's my racial ethnic uh, identity. Wow. That's a whole lot of mixed everything. I'm sure that that can get complicated at times. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and to complicate things further, um, Varden comes from a very conservative area. Yeah. So you you mix up all of the identities and then you throw in a conservative area that struggles with anything outside of the typical identities and that's going to cause issues. So that's a big reason we wanted to bring Varden on and to have these discussions with him. Um, right, Ali? Yeah, definitely. Like looking at all these intersecting identities and how that you know, interacts with the environment and vice versa. And Absolutely. And other than just dealing with um, trans issues and identity issues today, we are going to be discussing a few other things. Allie, what are some of the other things we want to discuss today? Oh, goodness. There's so many things. So when creating our content for our Instagram and Twitter, we were kind of reviewing some of the things that was going on. And it's like the one year anniversary since Breonna Taylor was murdered. Um, the Vatican said that they're no longer going to bless, you know, same sex unions. And the reason you hear about that one. Yeah. Wait, what was that last one? Um, the Vatican saying they're not going to bless same sex unions because it's a sin. And, yeah, I'm super, like, okay. Um, and then also... their Pope just come out a few years ago saying he supported same-sex unions? Yeah, I thought I heard that too. Right? That's what I thought. You know, he was like this super cool Pope who's super progressive. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't do it. It's it's a sin and I can't condone that. 
Um, and then yet last night there was a shooting in Georgia that left eight dead, six of the Asian women, um, by perpetrator. And of course he and some of them were injured, correct? Um I'm trying to remember. I think there was one person who was who was injured and they're I think in stable condition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of things that kinda happened over the week. Yeah. Um, I did see some of those things. I did not know about the Vatican thing. Um, the shooting in Georgia is exceptionally shocking to me, not just because, I mean, it's not shocking that a white perpetrator went into spaces typically occupied by people of color and shot them. That's not shocking. No part of that is shocking. And it's really sad that that's not shocking. Um, But what's shocking about it to me is the reaction from the police. Um, I was reading articles today uh, based out of Georgia, and they basically are saying that he says it's not racially motivated, and therefore we should believe him, and maybe it's not a hate crime. But how is something that purposely murders people um, of one particular gender because you consider them a temptation, not hate? Oh my goodness, yes. Like, I mean, part of racism in the Asian community is fetishizing Asian women. Yep. Yeah. And that's pretty much what he did. I can't handle all that sexual temptation, and therefore I am justified in killing them because that's going to get them out of the way. Like, how is. What? What? Precisely, precisely. Do you have any opinions on this, Barton? Have you heard about the the shooting today in Georgia? No, actually, when you brought it up earlier, I that was the first I heard of it. Um, so I don't know the exact details on what happened, um, other than what was already said. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> he went to three parlors in Georgia and shot them up, and they caught him. I guess part of the plan was he was going to make his way down to Florida and continue shooting. Yes. And one of the things that I read is that he he had frequented these parlors beforehand. These are not things he he just was like, oh, I'm just going to go start shooting up parlors. He he had gone to these places. He knew who worked there. I'm not saying he knew these particular people personally or personally, Um I'm not saying he knew these people personally. I'm saying he knew what he was doing. He knew who Mm -hmm. he was targeting and he knew how to find them. In fact, one of the parlors was directly across the street from another one of the parlors that he had just shot. He went into this with a very premeditated mindset and then with the plan of going down Florida and continuing this rampage. And yet the police can still stand back and say, "Eh, maybe not a hate crime. I don't understand that. We're not sure if it's racially motivated at this point. You know what? He was having a bad day. And really, he was just trying to not act on temptation anymore because he has a sex addiction. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, nobody else gets that. Right. You know, no, I know it's like no other races. Like, if there's like a shooting from any other race, it's like they're doing it out of hate. They're not sick they don't need any psychological treatment or anything they're not there's not like they're they're just evil people and then when the white person does it oh he's just mentally ill he's just sick it's okay yeah (laughs) it's okay 
Um, it had this been, and we've seen it before, had this been a, a Muslim man who did the exact same thing for the exact same reason, I guarantee this would be terrorism. This would be definitely a hate crime. And yeah. it, they would be spinning it entirely differently. They, none of this would look this way. It, no one would be saying, oh, he had a bad day. It would 100% be full they would be going at it full fire they would be reporting it with more aggressiveness um yeah well of course it wouldn't be terrorism it's not affecting what we consider american people aka white people right but these people were in america legally they were of korean descent some of them not even all of them but i was able to confirm that four of the women who had passed were of Korean descent, but they they were here legally. It's not like they were illegal immigrants, and not that that would make it right. Please don't think that I'm saying we can go out and murder illegal immigrants. That is not what I'm saying. Undocumented immigrants are still humans and deserve to be treated as such, period. But still, the fact of the matter is, in this is clearly wrong, and the way the police are spinning it is wrong. Yes. Another thing, um, another news story that I found today is about um, the mother of Tamir Rice. Did anybody hear about that one? Nope. I heard about that one. So her name, I found this uh, today. Um, it was from a story that was posted yesterday afternoon. Uh, Samira Rice is the mother of Tamira of Tamir Rice, and she is very upset that Tamika Mallory performed at the Grammys. She says that Tamika Mallory, who is a activist, um, do- should not be um, being an activist against police brutality. That her she needs to stay in her lane. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I know that as women of color, um, uh, you and I, Ali, definitely have a lot of in- intersectionality here. And then, Varden, you have intersectionality in a whole lot of ways. Um, so mm-hmm. I would love to address the intersectionality here. And whether or not we agree with Samira Rice or, or we're, and I know personally my views on this are more like, we don't want anyone to stay in their lane. <laughs> if if they want to stand by us, I mean, Tamika Mallory is a black woman and I guarantee she's been affected by racism in the U.S. So why wouldn't she stand up against police brutality? And that's my viewpoint. So I want to hear about your guys's. Wait, maybe I'm getting a little bit confused. Was she being told to stay in her lane by... At the Grammys, mm-hmm. they did a performance. And... um. A performer named Lil Boy, L-I-L-B-O-Y, Lil Boy, did his performance in which part of it was um, essentially a reenactment of a black man being stopped and ultimately shot by the police. So some people are like, this is too violent. It was unnecessary. Nobody needed to see it. But clearly it needed to be seen because it's part of his song. It's part... Uh, his song is part protest and it's called the bigger picture. Um, it's all about that police brutality and bringing it to the forefront because it is unnecessary. It is traumatizing. And if we have to see it, white people should have to see it too. People, I mean, it, it, it's not one handed anyway. <sighs> so that's, that's what this is all about. Now, 
during the performance that he gave, including this this reenactment, um, Tamika Mallory delivered a speech. And part of that was saying, it's time we take a stand. We demand the freedom this land promises. So that was part of her speech. But basically, she stood up with Lil Boy to, you know, have this this protest slash performance at the Grammys. And the Grammys is a huge draw. So it's a, actually a wonderful place to do something like that, in my opinion. Now, Rice, uh, Samira Rice, said she is that Tamika Mallory was nothing but a clout chaser. Quote, did she lose something in this fight? I don't think so. That's the problem. They take us for a joke. That's why we never have justice because of shit like this. And the other part is she's not condemning Lil Baby or his message. She's only condemning Tamika Mallory being there and giving a speech during the performance. So um, I can expand on it more where she's saying, you know, who hired them to represent the family. She doesn't speak for us. If they wanted to pay homage to the people who have died due to police violence, they should have brought on their mothers, um, the mothers of everybody who has died, because that would have made more of an impact. That's Samira Rice's viewpoint. And it goes on and on. And we don't need to go off of that. But basically, the last thing she really says is... um, they need to get a life and stand back and get up out of our fight. But I kind of, I'm of the, the viewpoint that it's all our fight because of our intersections. It's all, it's all our fight. What do you guys think? This is super complicated because I feel like me not, I'm not black. And so who am I to say, you know, lived experience, like their lived experience is incorrect or or whatnot i like i'm not part of this picture so i feel like i don't really get to have as much of an opinion like i see why we would use the grammys to be this platform and maybe it's also i don't have all like the information like i didn't read the article i didn't see the quotes and whatnot i didn't get to see the performance so maybe there's also that too but like, I, I can see why the Grammys would be a great place to make this protest because then people are, there's, you have a platform. People are going to see it. You're going to make people uncomfortable. But I can also see why, like, hey, this is my fight. Why are you bringing my fight? Like, it feels like it's kind of attention seeking. Which is, which is what Rice was referring to. And not only that, then there's like that intersection of, you know, like even in the black community, there's that like sexism. So how much is that at play where one person gets condemned, but the other person doesn't? For doing literally the same thing on the same stage. Varden, do you have any opinions on this? It's really interesting because the first thought that came to my mind was that with Lil Boy's song, his art should be like in any form of art. He should have that freedom to be able to go out there and like... Because it's something that's like heavily affecting him and his black uh, community, and it's affecting us. So I think it's good that he has like it's exposed to the mainstream. I'm not sure how I feel about Tamika though, because on one hand, if if her intent is for attention seeking, it's kind of I don't know. It's it's a weird situation because you know like she's kind of doing the right thing and like shedding more light on it. 
But at the same time, you're just like, you're not doing it for the right reasons. And that's kind of annoying. Um, Well, the question is, is she doing it for the right reasons? And while Samira Rice believes she's not, I don't think there's any indication that she actually isn't. Okay. Um, She's active with the Black Lives Matter community. She, she, just because she got her start during the women's movement, in my opinion, doesn't limit her from moving into other areas of activism. How about we break it down to, to the bare bones of the questions here? One, if you are an activist about a certain thing, does that limit your ability to be an activist about other things? Are you allowed to be a multi-specializing activist? I mean, is that even a thing? Or is that like serving two masters? I think that's a thing. There's so many different causes. Um, Like it's overwhelming thinking about all the different causes that we have to fight. Like we have, you know, being an environmentalist, we need to protect our environment. We need to protect our animals. We need to protect all these different cultures. We need to protect children. We need to protect people who have mental illness. I mean, there's so many different things that we all are all fighting all the times. So even if you're an activist in one area, why can't you be an activist in another area? If you have that time and the money and the space and the resources. Right. Okay. So then the next question becomes, I know Ali, one thing you said was that because you are not black, you don't feel like you have a, a space here to say something, but you are a person of color. And as a person of color, even if you haven't seen it personally, people of color of of Mexican descent and Latinx descent are certainly subjected to police brutality. Do you think being a feminist and, and um, dedicating your time to feminist goals would limit your ability to stand up to police brutality? You personally? No. I mean, but also... I want to make that correction just because I'm a woman of color doesn't mean I get to have a platform, like not platform, but like I say, I'm not part of the black community. Being a woman of color and being black are two different experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's that privilege that I have that maybe you don't have. And we've had those discussions before, like, you know, where we like went down the checklist of like our privilege and comparing our like check marks, like how many did you get? How many did I get? You know, like what? Mm-hmm. Um, but me, like as a feminist, I mean, feminist police aren't there for women either. No, they're not. You get people who are getting abused and like, oh, well, maybe you should have just listened to your spouse, your husband. Maybe you had it coming when somebody, you know. sexually took advantage of you so i mean it all kind of falls in the same category you can be a feminist and fight police brutality i i'm maybe this isn't the place for that and for this conversation and if it's not correct me right now um but i'm i'm really hung up on you saying that you don't that just because you're not black you don't have a say here because i think that this is more than being black I think, in my opinion, police brutality, um, while it, yes, it affects the black community in a larger percentage than most other members of other communities. And as a black woman, I fully recognize that. And I have been victimized by the police. So I get it. I also have seen other people of color victimized by the police. 
and more than white people. I've seen white people victimized by the police because that's who the police are. But I have seen more people of color victimized by the police. I have seen the police blatantly side with people who are not of color. <laughs> um, people without color, as some people like to call it. I, I don't see how standing up and and again Tamika Mallory is a black woman but I don't see how standing up for that at all would have anything to do with your particular skin color I I don't feel like you're appropriating their right to stand up as well I don't feel like you're taking anything from them and just because Tamika Mallory a young black woman was able to stand up with a little boy and have that that protest moment doesn't mean that she a took anything from the other mothers or b minimized the impact of the protest itself well i'm actually thinking about martin when we were talking about intent and so and like i said i i don't i haven't seen anything i haven't watched any of this so i really just kind of getting it like from you so I mean, take what I say with a grain of salt, but I guess it doesn't really matter what like the intent was. If her intent wasn't to hurt anyone, it's that impact. And I don't know what the true impact of her doing that on the mother. Right. And I can't say like, and I guess that's where my opinion doesn't really matter because that's still her lived experience. That's her reaction. And so who am I to say that was a right or wrong reaction? It was a reaction. Um, so I don't get to say, especially as someone who's not black, like, Hey, no, you know, this is for police brutality. So you should, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, that is so not my place. She had a reaction. There's clearly something going on. So I, I, it just seems really complicated. I can understand both sides. I understand when you feel like, it sounds like something like kind of getting taken from her. Like, here's my experience and almost profiting, quote unquote, off it versus like, I need to share this experience because we need people to see this because we need them to get uncomfortable so we can have these conversations and, you know, do better. We need people to do better. So like, I get both sides. Okay. Okay. Barton, you have anything else to say on this topic before we move forward? Um, I think I agree with Allison. Like, it's a... The topic itself is like the situation is pretty complicated. Um, but I think that the more awareness that's brought to the situation, I think the better. Um, that's brought to like the police brutality and um, Black Lives Matter movement. Because um, the more people are aware of like what's actually going on, um, I think overall that's like good for people to know. Yeah, totally. 100% agree with you there. Um... I think bringing awareness is definitely going to help change the world we're living in. And I think that's a big part of what we're doing here today. Um, not just today, but every day, every week from now moving forward, <laughs> Rebel Revolution will be hopefully helping to highlight these issues and ask the questions about them because we don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. I'm just a woman asking questions. Speaking of questions. Do we want to take a short break before we move into the next part where we're going to spend some time talking about trans issues and whatnot? That would be perfect. Perfect. Okay, let's take a, let's take a five. 
Okay, let's jump right back in. Um, we were planning on discussing uh, life as a non-binary butch individual living in a conservative area, attempting to pu- publish works and working in that environment. Barden, do you want to tell us anything about your experience or about your life? Do you want to highlight anything? Oh, um, there's a lot um, that I'm thinking of just like off the top of my head. Um, there's two things, two stories I want to say that stand out. Um, one is medically related and another is work related. Um, <clears throat> so should I should I just jump into those? Whichever one you want first. And um, if you're going to hit on one, um, I'll pull up the stats for that one and we'll go off of that and then we can move on to the to the other. So whichever one you start with. Okay, um, I want to start with the medical one because I know that's that's a pretty big issue for like trans. Like, if you live in a conservative community, at least from my experience, and for many other people um, who lived, many other trans people who lived in that um, that area had a lot of issues just getting like just starting to get their hormones. Um, so, a little bit of uh, some backstory for this. So, this was back in. I want to say 2019, 2018, around that time, um, I was on testosterone. I started testosterone um, 2016, and I had, I forget what happened, but I was not able to get my testosterone because my insurance, like, crapped out and, like, a bunch of stuff, like, life happens, basically. Um, So I had to get back on. So I had been on testosterone for a a few years when that happened, and... Um, I said, okay, I have, I had to schedule an appointment with a therapist because I couldn't find a doctor at the time mm. who was willing to do that for me. That was the first big thing that I noticed in that area because I had never gotten um, hormones. I got my hormones in a different county, which was like, it was a very smooth, uh, or it wasn't an or- ordeal like this was. Um, so uh, I said, I told um, I finally I found a therapist after rotating through like four or five um, because they were saying, well, we can't do that for you. We need to have at least six months. And this was after I had already been on testosterone. Um, they said, we need six months to verify that you are, um, what was the term that they used, um, that you were mentally stable enough to take testosterone. Um, <clears throat> and uh that right there was like, it kind of threw me off because I did need a therapist to get testosterone originally, and, but it wasn't nearly as long. Maybe it was like three months at the most where I was talking to a therapist. She completely understood. I had been feeling those symptoms. Um, those uh, I had experienced gender dysphoria for a, a while before I even met that therapist. And she's like, okay, um, I will, I'll write you a letter and you can get on testosterone. Um, but when I was over here, the the people they're extremely reluctant like every therapist i went through was extremely reluctant um and then i i got a therapist who was she was a little more understanding she told me that the reason why that there's such a a long wait is that well we need to make sure that um people who take testosterone don't regret it and i understand that happens um because it does, like, on rare occasions, it does happen when someone transitions and they, like, um, they have to detransition because it doesn't, it didn't work out for them. Um, <clears throat> like, they, um, some, in some cases, they don't need 
uh, hormones. They just need other types of transition, like social transition and stuff like that. Um, for me, I needed the testosterone though. That's that that's what I that's what I needed. Um, but it it was kind of it was just a frustrating situation because I'm talking to this lady and I said. I've been taking testosterone for years. I have it on medical records. Like, and the only reason why I went off was because of my insurance. Um, and I'm just like, why can't you grant me this permission? Um, I have physical, I have evidence that I've been taking this stuff. Like, um, actually I told, uh, what was it? This, okay. So the therapist I talked to was not, um, she was a therapist. She was not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist. Right. I needed a psychiatrist to write me that letter, and they didn't tell me that originally. So, yeah, they didn't let me know that I I needed that particular like that difference. Um, I thought I just needed one from a therapist. <laughs> wow. And they uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, I gotta find a doctor now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, they, uh, the therapist, the, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the psychiatrist who was a nurse practitioner. Uh-huh. So she wasn't technically a doctor, um, a psychiatrist, but she had the, like with, a um, with a nurse practitioner, they can, um, prescribe you things. Right. So I was like, okay, we're going somewhere. We're on the right track. Um, so I'm talking to her the first day. This is the first day. This, this, this is what happens. Um, I'm talking to her and I said, oh yeah, I've, I've been having dysphoria and stuff like that. And she said, what are your other psychological issues? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. And uh, she says, well, do you have like symptoms like of other things? I'm just like, I told you I have gender dysphoria. I've been experiencing gender dysphoria for many years. And she said, well, I need you to like give me documents saying that you have been um, experiencing that, and I also need medical records <laughs> of your test of your testosterone, like your your prescription medical records. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is really annoying. But maybe if I get these things for her, she'll grant me what I need. You know, um, I spent I, I should not have spent this much time doing this with her. She ran around the bush with me for several months and i was like i got to the medical records i got to the letter that i had like i had to go back to my old school to find all these like crazy hoops and at the last appointment um she said like i needed to um i called her up for like hey i, I need to talk to you today and she said um she gave me an attitude she was like well what did you need me so desperately for and i'm like the thing that I've been trying to get for the past three months. That's what I need. I have the stuff for you. Why aren't you like granting me this one thing that I need? And all I needed was a letter. Mm -hmm. And she could have used all that stuff that I had provided for her to write a letter for me just to get testosterone, like just to start it up again. Right. Um. So after that happened, I was like, okay, like I'm going to find somebody else. So, it took a really long time for me just to get testosterone. Um, it was it was insane. Like back in the other county that I was um that I lived in, it took me three months. Wow. Like three months. Uh, I had 
yeah, three months. And this was like with this lady, she said, you need six months just to get the letter thing. That's before you get the testosterone. And she couldn't even, I, she can't even prescribe it. A doctor has to, like a physical doctor has a, has to prescribe it. Right. Um, so I'm like, I finally get it eventually. The, uh, the whole time she just had me jumping through crazy hoops. Like, um, and at first I thought like, for the longest time, I thought it was like my fault that I'm like, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not giving the information. Like, what am I doing wrong? And after a while I, I started talking about it to other people and I was like, wow, this doctor was a bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my God. Cause she actually got reported by somebody else. Yeah. Like this, uh, this nurse practitioner, um, because my, my therapist told me, yeah, this, um, she got reported for being rude to her patients, and um, you're not the only one. So I'm, I'm glad somebody um, put her in her place because that was, oh my god, that was bad. That sounds awful. So, it really yeah, does. It was, the whole the um, whole thing just sounds absolutely awful. It because um, I'm a therapist and I'm part of this like online community, and it like really amplifies how much gatekeeping that we as therapists do, like. And there's this one therapist in the community who is actively trying to train therapists on how to write letters in the very first session so we don't gatekeep people from hormone therapies or surgeries or any of the things that they need because that's part of, like, suicide prevention. Because who mm. you were able to get through that, but, like, how distressing that was for you. And what about other people who don't have the resources to push through that? all the gatekeeping and then like the self-blame, like what am I doing wrong? Or like getting the hope up and then, oh, sorry, never mind. I'm the wrong person or I need to see you for another. <laughs> or like having to defend yourself on, this is what I'm needing for me to live the life that I'm needing to live for me to be okay. Like it is absolutely awful that you had to go through all of that. And and the community really just kind of support that. Like I didn't learn about like what you're supposed to do or how we're gatekeeping until I was involved in this community. And it's like, man, yeah. how many other therapists are like doing that kind of behavior and not knowing? One thing that caught me off guard was that you started asking, what were you doing wrong? What, what was it about you that made these people not want to help you? And I, I'm really surprised by that because I've known you for years and early on you knew who you were. You know, I mean, it had only been a few years of us knowing each other that you knew who you were. And for these people to tell you you don't blows my mind. I do want to highlight some of the statistics uh, that trans people have to go through. Is that OK right now? Mm -hmm. So um, according to uh, this study done by Stonewall UK, almost half, 48% uh, of trans people have attempted suicide at least once. 84% of all trans people have thought of it and more than more than half approximately 55% have been diagnosed with depression at some point also more than half approximately 54% of trans people have been told by their doctor that they do not know enough about trans related care to provide trans related care that was one of the issues yeah, yeah. When doctors are telling you, I don't know you well, <laughs> I don't know your medical mm. issues well enough to help you, that's a problem. Yeah, that was a huge problem with me, yeah. 
Um, I also, when you started talking about um, detransitioning, I did a quick search and apparently only 8% of all people who transition do detransition at some point. That's 8% out of all trans people. <laughs> of those people who detransition, only 0.04, let me just confirm that. No, 0.4. So 0.4% of respondents said that they detransitioned only after realizing transitioning wasn't right for them. Many others transitioned only because their parent or someone, a loved one, told them that they had done it, that they had transitioned incorrectly or were wrong and needed to detransition. Mm. And that was the reason. Only 0.4% said they detransitioned after realizing transition wasn't right for them. Yeah, some gaslighting bullshit. Right. Yeah, that's horrible. Only 2% of participants in Sweden regret undergoing gender-affirming surgery. That's the actual surgery that these people are going under. Another one, another study in the Netherlands of all the kids, because one of the things we're going to discuss here today is the Alabama bill, um, of all of the adolescents who started puberty suppressants early, the only 1.9% um, of those adolescents who started the puberty suppressant did not go on to pursue hormone therapy and eventually transitioning fully. That's it. Less than 2% did not pursue further transitioning uh, as steps. So those are some, some information about trans healthcare. That's a, uh, yeah, because like, I know that like, in a uh, community, it's very extremely, like you said, it's extremely rare that people, like, trans people detransition. Um, I think there was one person who's in that very tiny, like, percentage where she she transitioned from female to male, then back to female. Um, and she talked about it. Um, and I don't know, it's just kind of like, to me, I don't like watching those things because I'm just like, oh, this is really triggering. Um, I tried to watch it a little bit. I'm just like, oh, I can't. Mm -hmm. um, um, but I can, I mean, it seems more likely now that I think about it that like family members, because one of the reasons why I took so long to transition was because family. Um, because my, my family, they are not, they are not okay with it. They there's a lot of like issues I don't want to talk about with them, but um, they're just, they made it really difficult for me to make those decisions, like to finally put my foot down and say like, Hey, this is my life. I need to like, I need to be more authentic to myself. Right. Um, so that was, I can understand the whole gaslighting thing. It makes a lot more sense now. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to, to mention in, in light of those uh, statistics. Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense. Like, how are you supposed to go into something confidently when literally everyone in the community is saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, it's always, yeah, like, it's always, are you really sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really sure. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know one thing in particular I've noticed is that kids or young people who don't receive any affirmation or receive limited affirmation um, are more likely to suffer from the, from mental illness or depression or anxiety, especially surrounding uh, their transgenderism, their gender identity. 
um, and goals in that in that realm. Um, did you suffer? I mean, I know this is a very personal question and it's OK if you don't want to answer it. But did you suffer from anything like that when when your family was not supportive of you? Suffer from lack of affirmation, um, depression, anxiety, any of oh, those yeah. things that that tend that are reported among among trans youth who aren't being supported by their families, who aren't receiving that affirmation, who aren't hearing their pronouns or their their name uh, or or who are being dead named regularly. Yeah, it affected me emotionally a lot. Like I try not to like um, I try not to pay attention to it but you know it's it was in the background for a while um i got i have a lot of friends like pretty much all my friends um and even some extended family members who are um who are accepting of it who no questions asked is just like okay this you're varden now your pronouns he him got it um but yeah i mean when it's your parents it's kind of like there's a social thing of like your parents mean a lot and it's also like i literally came from them so there's going to be an emotional connection um so i kind of like there is a lot of um my parents made me feel really guilty about it which i yeah i (laughs) it was a lot of difficulty kind of like getting over the guilt of like um yeah that's uh that was the most difficult part for me was just kind of like Cause like guilt's a different, like I can handle, like, I feel like my depression symptoms that I, I don't know if I have, I was never diagnosed. Um, but my depressive like symptoms aren't as severe as a lot of other trans people. So I feel like the guilt was more, um, more powerful of an, of an emotion for me. So that was the most, I, I feel like that was like the giant hurdle that I had to, like, I'm still kind of getting over that that hurdle it's um because like with my family like um like i don't want to get too deep into it uh but like it's a lot of like yeah they don't want it like they're kind of like lazy about it um and they know that i'm i'm very lenient and open-minded with them and very kind about it and whenever i bring it up i get you know crocodile tears (laughs) um so i'm just like uh, um because i i I don't want to say I made my mom cry, but she cried when I tried to like get her to like um, respect my pronouns. And I'm just like, okay, I can't, I don't like seeing my mother cry. I don't like being the one making her cry. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, But that was just, yeah, that's, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. It's that weaponizing the privilege of, you know, this makes me really uncomfortable. So I'm going to shed these tears so I can get out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is something that we should all be aware of, is the ability to weaponize our privilege. Um, Ali, you, you've done a lot of work and have a, you usually have a lot to say about how people tend to weaponize their privilege. Do you want to say anything about that now? Bring it to our listeners' awareness so maybe they can not do it. Well, I mean, <laughs> kind of like what Martin was saying with the crocodile tears, you know, when you're given feedback from somebody don't cry. <laughs> um, if you feel like you need to cry, take us, you know, let them know, hey, I need a moment to myself. So then they don't have to take care of you while you're processing your feelings. I mean, I'm a crybaby. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all about crying. Like, if you need to cry, go cry. 
But if your tears are getting in the way of the feedback that you're needing, then you're prioritizing your own comfort over somebody else's. And like mispronoun, dead naming somebody or like things like that, like that literally contributes to people and suicidal ideation, suicide attempts. Like this is, can be a life or death matter. So no, (laughs) you're uncomfortable and I don't care. I mean, I care, but like, I don't like that's not that your voice isn't the, you know, isn't the one that needs to be elevated, you know? So if you need to cry, excuse yourself, cry, then come back and continue taking the feedback. Right. Varden, I want to ask you kind of a difficult question. Okay. Was it comfortable for you to come out as, as a trans person? Um, I have two different answers for that. Um, to my friends, it was a little bit uncomfortable at first, but after they accepted me, it was all cool. It was golden. Coming out socially um, to like strangers and stuff, because you know, before I like th- this doesn't make it right, but like before I like transitioned, um, before I passed um, as a male, um, people were like using the wrong pronouns all the time. I was just like, hey, my pronouns are this, and they'd be, oh, oh, I'm sorry, okay, cool, and it'd be like. Even that, like, very rarely um, did I get any issues. Um, Coming out to my parents, that was one of the most heartbreaking experiences I've ever had. Um, It was just, again, with the crying, um, my my father was angry. Like, there was, like, it was a whole mess. Um, I timed it because I I was going to university, and I was like, it was, like, uh, winter break. I timed it. So that just in case shit at the fan, and it did, like I had predicted, I could go someplace where I felt safe and felt okay. I mean, not not okay, <laughs> but like enough to where like I don't feel that much hurt. Right. Because it was like the next day before I had that I had to leave on on the bus back to uh, Humboldt. Um. So, yeah, that was extremely difficult. I was. I did not. I almost considered not coming out to my parents and just legit running away and just disconnecting from them forever. I know that sounds really bad, but at the moment I was just like, I don't, this is hard. I know they're not going to accept me. I know how they're going to react. And there's, they're reacting almost the same. And it's been, what has it been? Let's see, 2016. I came out in 2015, December. So six years Uh, almost? Six years. And the only thing they've changed is instead of like using my dead name and pronouns, they don't use any pronouns and they just use the first letter of my my name, which is happens to be the first letter of my old name. So they just call you V. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I highlighted that. I wanted to bring that to attention because we want to put so much pressure on or not pressure. We we everybody wants to say well, it's not easy for me. It's not simple for me. It's hard for me to remember. It's hard for me to refer to you by what you want to be referred to as. But they they forget how hard it is for you to live this life. They forget that our 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 friends and our our loved ones are literally going through the process of transitioning and changing them, not changing themselves, but 
affirming who they really are, and they already have the entire world questioning them. Maybe they don't need their family and friends and loved ones doing the same thing. And I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, that was. Mm-hmm. I like that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> like, can we? I don't know. It. You make a mistake, apologize, make correction, move forward. Yeah. Right. Because my mom, she she keeps on making. Um. Because with my dad, I don't even try anymore. But like with my mom. She keeps making the point like, oh, I can't see you that way. Like, I can't like, I'm your mom is the big, it's the one that she pulls out. Mm-hmm. Um, And I know, I know a lot of mothers with trans children who don't pull that excuse out. Mm-hmm. Um, For a while, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I didn't say sorry. But like, I'm just like, okay, she's my mom, maybe I should be more understanding and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like looking at all these other people and I'm like, you know what? You can, um, you can budge a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but like I was, I told her that and I said, well, other moms who are Christian also like, cause my mother, she's a Christian. And she said, well, those are other moms. And I'm just, all right, you want to be that way? That's fine. <laughs> Well, it's not fine, but... Does your family know how close they were to losing you? Oh, that's a good question. When you were considering running away and just cutting contact, do you have any idea if they know how close they were to just never hearing from you again? To to never getting to talk... I'm a parent. I have a 13-year-old. She recently changed her name. She hasn't changed her gender identity. She still identifies as female, um, but she has changed her name. And just that change has given a like pushback from my family. And I'm like, you guys don't get a choice here. There is no choice because it's not up to you. It's up to her. And if she, whatever she wants to say, that's what we're going to recognize. But I say that because I do know, I, I, I have many friends, I have many loved ones who have been um going through a variety of identity uh, affirmations and that they all they needed was that support and if you don't provide it you do end up losing them so i know for me personally i look at my child and i know how how easy it could be for me to lose her forever i i just have to ask if they realize and if they did if you think that might change anything I I never told them that I had planned to do that. If they were aware, they gave no indication. Um, I mean, if they are aware, that means they're like, um, maybe I'm not that very important to them. Um, which is kind of depressing. But uh, yeah, I never told them that I was like, hey. Like, I was planning on, like, basically running away and detaching myself from you guys. But I don't know, like, in my head, I feel like they would say, like, they would, you know, bring out the crocodile tears. Like, why would you ever do that to us type type stuff to make me look like the bad guy? So I'm just like, uh, I don't know if I would tell them. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Another example of them weaponizing their privilege centering themselves over your experience now one thing we wanted to discuss was the alabama bill ali and do you want to take the lead on this one or oh um 
I'm pretty sure the Alabama bill actually passed, but the have you heard about the bill in Alabama regarding trans children? So if mm-hmm. you are under 18, it is now, I think, a felony for any doctor to provide like hormone therapy for them because they are too young for and they they have to wait till they're 18. Puberty blocking drugs, mm. hormonal therapy, and surgery are all blocked now. Yes. It is a felony to do any of that. Wow. This is despite lawmakers from both sides of the aisle, both Republicans and Democrats, were arguing against this. Now, I, I've never seen a Republican argue against something like this, but even the Republicans are saying you are putting the, the lawmakers in the medical room. You're putting the lawmakers yeah. in between a doctor and their patient, and you shouldn't do it. Um, but I, I guess it passed uh, where they're, they're no longer going to allow the, the puberty blockers, the hormone blockers, or surgery. Now, in contrast, I just want to emphasize, I looked it up. There is no legal bottom to the age you can get breast implants. So now, young people who identify as trans cannot have gender-affirming surgeries of any kind, which means that uh, uh, female to males can't have breast reductions, for example, which is a huge thing for some of them. <laughs> you know, but or, yeah. you know, the puberty blockers or anything else. Um, but we can give... We can give a 14-year-old breast implants, and that's okay. Or a nose job. Yeah, or a, no- or a nose job. Plastic surgery is fully accessible for literally cosmetic reasons, for, for aesthetic reasons. I was reading about it in Alabama. They suggest that you wait till you're 18, and they say if it's purely aesthetic, maybe wait until your body's done growing. And that it's, But it, it's emphasized. These are suggestions, not law. And if you can find a surgeon to do it, no one's going to stop you. And yet they want to legally block trans youth from having access to puberty blockers. Opinions. That is abuse. That is an abuse of power. That is putting Mm. people at such high risk of suicide. One of the first things that came to my mind, um, because so when I was uh, like looking at my experience as a teenager, I realized something, I didn't know what the words for it yet was, but I realized that I was like, I do not like these giant things on my chest. Um, so I was just like, huh, like, I didn't know there was a way to get rid of it. Um, like, I didn't know that there was like things that I could do to keep it from happening. So I feel like if, if like this, um, so I feel like if I had the resources as a teenager, like I would have been able to be a quote unquote regular adult by now. Like um, I would have been like, cause the stuff that I have to do for trans, like there's that. And there's like the average adult stuff that I have to do too, mm-hmm. which is like, that's just like, that's one of the things like about, I like to make a joke. It's kind of like, it's a pain in the ass being trans. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of legal stuff. There's a lot of like medical stuff. If you want to trend, like I want to transition, like there's still more steps I want to take. Yeah. Um, it's not the case for everybody, uh, every trans person. But like for mine, I'm like, I want to get top surgery. I want bottom. Like, like there's stuff that I want to do. 
And we can identify real quick. Trans is an umbrella term officially from the Human Rights Campaign Foundation. Um, from them, they say trans is an umbrella term for everyone that identifies as non-binary, agendered, um, uh, transgendered, male to female, female to male, all of it. Anything that is not assigned gender at birth will fall under that umbrella term of trans. So uh, as Varden was saying, a lot of people aren't going to want you know, bottom surgery or top surgery or whatever, all of the other things. Some of them won't ever take hormones and that's perfectly acceptable for the individual. So go ahead. I mean, with like bouncing off what the Republicans said, like they like the the government has no business with my body. Like it's not like that shouldn't even be a thing. Um it's like I was surprised that they were like because I know with abortion they're usually pretty different they're just like oh would for some reason we need to hang on to that but um but with this i was surprised that they were getting behind it yeah it's starting like it's like you guys know that this is an actual issue now yeah i i think what gets me most is the number of trans youth who will attempt or die by suicide because of the lack of care and the inability to access care. If I think about the gaslighting yeah. Yeah. from doctors, I mean, even when you do have access, like what you were saying, Martin, with your whole experience, it was just like gaslighting and gatekeeping and having to jump through all these hoops, and that's when it's legal. So if you added this extra layer of you aren't even allowed access to it, how much that must mess with someone's head. Right. I think a lot of people also don't understand that teenagers now, they have access to a lot more information. Um, So it's not like they're going in blind. It's like they they know what they're getting into. And they're like, they're a lot more mature, I feel like. Well, I mean, there's still like, there's still like the thing about teenagers, like not reaching a certain maturity by a certain age. I don't know. Like, it's, I feel like that's kind of complicated. But even then, they should have, they should at least be able to have access. Like, to, I don't know, to me, it's like pretty, it's ridiculous. So, I, I'm going to ask you another question. And again, feel free to tell me not, you don't want to answer it. Um, do you remember at what age you realized you were not the sex assigned at birth? That's a, uh, like, I remember being a, a kid and i was like oh i'm just like my older brothers um so i was like as a kid i thought that i was like i saw myself as a well a masculine child <laughs> like a like uh because i don't see myself as fully man or like not like a woman at all it's just like a gender and man pretty much i fluctuate between that between those two um so like when I was a kid, I was just like, okay, this is this this is like I'm one of the guys, you know. Um, and then when I get older, I start noticing the differences and start kind of feeling that there's something there's something wrong, but I can't put my finger on it. And I know that especially with like the top dysphoria was, it's one of my like um, it was one of the worst at the time. Uh, it still is, but so I was like, okay, I don't like this. I want them to go away, but I don't know how. So I'm just going to ignore it for a while. 
Um, but after a while, you know, like I was like 21, I'm just like, huh, I think actually, uh, Nikki, you, I think we were, I remember this cause I was wearing, I think it was like a Halloween thing. And I, I, um, it was a real binder, but I had like, uh, like something to flatten my chest. And I was like, I think we were talking about it. And I was like, huh, I want to, you know, I like this. I like having a flat chest. Um, and I want, uh, cause at the time I, I didn't know that, like, I didn't know about top surgery until way later, but that was when I started noticing that it's like, huh, um, this feels more like me than what I used to dress as. So I wanted to go more in that direction. Um, and I think from there, I, uh, I didn't know what, um, being trans really was like, I didn't know the terms and stuff for it until I met one of my coworkers at <laughs> college, Nikki. Um, he told me, uh, he was trans, uh, um, FTM. And then we talked about it and I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I remember what you're talking about. I remember you, you remember up in, it, it was Halloween and you were dressed up as, I, I don't remember who the character was, but it was definitely a male and you walked in and I was like, oh, you look so good. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> and you knew yeah. then. <laughs> and I remember we talked later, you, you at that point thought that you might be um, asexual. And that's where, where mm -hmm. your identification lied because you knew the only thing you knew then was that whatever, something was off and you, you weren't in a position yet to really explore it. And it wasn't until you left, I think you went to Humboldt or you went off to school. And when you came back and you, I, I know we had talked during that time. And so I knew you were transitioning, but it, when you came back, that was the first time I really got to see you as Barton. And it was really neat. Oh, that's a... Uh... That's interesting because like you're one of the few people outside of family that have seen me before and at like like through my transition. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. And watching your confidence level raise. It's this huge thing. And I, and I don't know what it's like for all transgendered individuals, but I can say for the transgender individuals that I've met, there is something amazing about watching them accept who they are and be accepted by those around them because this this sense of confidence just blooms and then all of a sudden you can see them start to accomplish their goals they they start having dreams that maybe they never even thought about before because they they are who they want to be and they are capable of accomplishing whatever they want because they are who they are and for the first time they get to embrace that yeah, that's awesome. I never thought about like looking from the outside in. Um, like you and another person, actually from Bakersfield too, they've seen me throughout my transition so far. It's like I was kind of curious, like what um, what they saw, like you and you and that other person, uh, just kind of like what it looks like from the outside. You and I can have that conversation one day. We'll have a real yes. conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is there anything else about the Alabama bill we want to hit on? No, I think we covered it. Basically, it's wrong. Is that our, our conclusion? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's abusive. It's wrong. It's unnecessary. <laughs> yes, it's wrong. It's unnecessary. It removes parents and doctors from the room. It jeopardizes mm. literally the lives of trans youth and trans adults. 
It, this is not something that will only affect youth. Nope. While it will affect the youth first, because, you know, they're the ones who are unable to seek care, that means longer periods of time that these people have to uh, undergo care after they get to the age 18. And it means that they're going to have a, diff- a more difficult time as adults because they've already gone through puberty. And if you can hit just, just a puberty blocker early on is an easy way to keep that from running out of control. As a trans person, I would like to say that although the second puberty is great, going through it twice, I would not... <laughs> I would not wish that upon people. That's it's kind of sucky. That is something I was going to ask. I was going to say puberty is all about change, and change is hard. Who really yeah. wants to do that like two times? Yeah. Here, let me watch my body change, and let me see it again. Yeah, again. Like, oh, I, I have heard that that second puberty is literally like a first puberty only twice. So you're going through it in your twenties or in your thirties or however age you are when you you decide to transition. So can you imagine going through ten years of puberty or six six years of puberty, depending on how old you are when you start, only to immediately start another ten years? Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. And so um, for people who are therapists who are listening, um, we'll include in the show notes on how to access information on, you know, the writing the letters for the first time someone comes so we don't have to be gatekeepers because there is no need to be waiting six months a year just to get a letter to possibly see another doctor to possibly like that's none of our business. Right. So um, we'll yeah. include that in the show notes to so you'll have access Right. So you can be the best practitioner you can be to your trans clients and uh, we can get some help for these people early on. Um, Varden, any last statements, anything you want to say to trans youth who may be going through or experiencing the start of their transition? Anything like that? Any messages of hope? Or um, I think like looking back on my own, um, like the thing that held me back the most was that I was afraid. And the things that I was afraid of weren't really that bad um, as far as transition goes. I thought like the changes were going to be like so crazy or like something super bad would happen. And I'm like, no, it's actually way better than I thought it would be. Um, I'm also feeling that way about top surgery. But at this point, I'm just like, just take them off, please. <laughs> I want them gone. I want it. Oh, I just want it over with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, actually, yes, I want to, um, I do have some good news about that though. Um, I have, and I've been, I've been trying to, guys, I've been trying to get this for so long, it's unbelievable, but I have a consultation with a top surgeon here in Albuquerque and I am oh so excited. How exciting! Congratulations. I really hope that goes well. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. I'm just like, oh my God, you can... (laughs) <laughs> I love seeing how your face is like so lit up. Like you yes. saw the page too. <laughs> oh, if you guys, because I was see like it. his entire uh, face changed. <laughs> yeah, because I was uh, um I was twenty two when I when I said hey uh I want top surgery um I actually wanted top surgery before I went on uh before I wanted to be on hormones top surgery was the main thing well it was flipped because top surgeries slightly easier in some places like at the time um i mean hrt uh, hormone replacement therapy um is in that area at least it was a lot more easy to access than top surgery because top surgery you need to there's a lot of 
other stuff. Um, and not just like gatekeeping stuff. There's actually like medical stuff that you have to be because I have to make sure because testosterone can kind of affect um, make it risk for diabetes and stuff like that. Um, so you just got to be careful. Yeah. So, yeah um, so there's a lot of like just bodily prep, but I'm just like, okay. I've been on a good diet. I've been exercising. I'm just like, I can't wait to get this done. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, congratulations. Be sure to keep us updated. Well, keep me updated. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I won't tell anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> I still want to be aware. Um, okay. Well, then, Ali, is there anything else we need to cover? You no. Cover? No. I think we got everything that we were going to cover so far. Well, fantastic. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening to Rebel Revolution. We really appreciate you. You can find us at rebelrev underscore on all the socials. Uh, you can email us if you have a comment or a question or a statement or I don't even care what. You can email us at rebelrevolution6 at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at HafnerNikki or um, on Instagram at Nikki Hafner Author. Or you can find me on Instagram at Allison Gomez LMFT or Twitter, which I now have at, I think it's Gomez LMFT. It'll all be linked on our Twitter. And Varden, where can the people find you? Uh, where do you want them to find you? <laughs> We're not sending them to Albuquerque, so. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, you can find me uh, Instagram at, let me see, Varden and Freeze Author. Uh, Twitter is Varden and uh, Freeze and Varden and Freeze on Facebook. And make sure to check out his book, Caldera's Vice, on um, Amazon or wherever you get your books, I think. Can, can they get it anywhere? Um, actually, it's just available on Amazon, but I'm I'm not sure, but I might be changing that in the future. But yes, Amazon is a place to get it from. Also, now. go request it from your local bookstore, and maybe they will get in contact with Martin, because that might be fun. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Okay, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye.